Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Then the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thank you, God, for the inspiration of this word. Amen. Welcome to our reflection on Sunday for July 12th. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. And today we once again look at this beautiful, powerful scripture from Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37, and we look at this the significance on what it means to be an individual that is so deeply rooted in faith that we have nothing to lose when we go out and we do good. There's this television show that, that I, I love. It's called Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso is this this, he's all right. You just got to watch the show. I, I don't know how to explain Ted Lasso to you without watching it. I'll do an attempt just a little bit. He's a, he's a guy that was a college football coach, and out of an attempt of, of striking back at her very wealthy husband, a, a owner of a British football team, soccer, for us ruffians in the colonies, <laughs> hires him to come over. She wants to tear down the team, but he actually comes over and he's the best thing for the team. And he says these little, little quotes and quips and things and 
and they're really significant. And one of the things that he shares in a conversation, it, it will become very meaningful to this conversation. It, it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. I want us to think about that for a moment. It's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. Let's look at this in this in the scripture because that exists in this. There is a conversation on what it means to do the right thing. What it means that it's never wrong, it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. What it means to follow John Wesley's most quotable phrase that I will butcher for you at this time. Do all the good you can in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, for all the people you can, by all the means you can. As long as you ever can. What it means to constantly be individuals looking for the right place to do the right thing. To be the people that live in the right moment. That we understand that it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. Let's look at the scripture once again. We talked about it Sunday a little bit. We looked on Sunday at a narrative of what everyone had to lose. One of the things that I dropped out of Sunday's conversation, I'll add it into this one. The, the, the expert of the law who stood up, he had something to lose in this conversation. It's pointed out in um, verse 29 that the, the expert in the law is speaking of, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So even in the questioning process, the expert in the law displays this. He's got something to lose. He wants things to be the way that he understands it. He wants his house of cards stacked up perfectly, never to fall down. So even the expert of the law has something to lose. That's one I missed on, on Sunday. The, the priest had something to lose, and we addressed this on Sunday. The priest had his testimony. He had his religious principles, his theological understandings, and he could lose the eternal within this actions. We look at the idea of the Levite that came, the person of notoriety and wealth and importance, and he had something huge to lose. He had power, wealth, responsibility to lose. We see these narratives of people that had something to lose. So we look at these three people going all the way back to the expert in the law. We have these people that would hear this Ted Lasso phrase. It's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. And they're trying to figure out how to make their focus on the eternal. Their self-gratifying, self-supportive house of cards the right thing. All of them could explain it. The, the, the expert in the law could explain it. We've been followed to follow the, we've been called to follow these rules and responsibilities for years upon years. We look at the law, we dissect the law, we use the law for what it is, and we follow these rules and we are right in the kingdom of God, the creator. And now he has this new person. The expert in the law has this new person who comes along 
and has shaken things up and he has shaken up the reality of the law. And there comes a time that this individual shares the words that I have come to fulfill the law, to bring wholeness to what that you've been practicing. He's challenging a change to what the expert in the law holds as a foundational truth. And it's not just a foundational truth for the moment. For the expert in the law, it's a foundational truth for the eternal. So Christ comes along and he's challenging that. So the expert in the law, who now has something to lose, it becomes his challenge and his responsibility to say things in such a way that when he becomes challenged with this Ted Lasso quote, it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. He's making, it's his quest to make his thing the right thing. And we see this response, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now we, I, I glossed over this Sunday. But this becomes that quest of making his thing the right thing. I I should soup up my southern accent while I'm saying this because this reminds me of the colloquialisms that I grew up with. He's trying very hard to make his thing the right thing. So within doing that, he's got to justify himself. He's got to ask these questions. And when he asks this question, who is my neighbor? We addressed this. We glossed over this Sunday. He wants to hear the response back that your community of like-minded people that supports each other, that holds each other firmly to the standards of the law, that's your neighbor. It's been the practice for so many years to be within this closely guards, guarded set of rules, to be so afraid of these set of rules that there's a practice of putting a hedge around the law. And there, there is moments that you want to make sure that you don't falter in your faithfulness to the rules, that you, there's things you just don't do. There's things you just don't do. This expert in the law, I would venture, would be a person that put a hedge around the law. I mean, one of the examples of putting a hedge around the law that I've shared so many times is individuals that that so direly did not want to take the Lord's name in vain that if a, a scribe that used a pen to write down Adonai, God's name, would immediately throw that pen away in fear that that name that was that pen that was used to proclaim God's name would ever be used to defame them. So he throws it aside, putting a hedge around the law, being so intent of not doing something wrong, we don't do anything at all. We're going to get to that statement in a moment. So Christ begins to show him what it means to step out and to live. Let's look at that because every example, you're going to hear this a couple of times because right now I'm going to share it in relation to the expert in law. Christ uses the priest who has set standards of living. Christ uses the Levite that has set standards of living. 
and he shows them as inactive participants in the need. He begins to tear down this concept of putting a hedge around the law and being people so faithful and just to set rules that it becomes very personalized, but the kingdom isn't growing because no one else is being cared for. Christ shows the danger to the expert in the law. And again, that's what I'm talking about right now, the expert in the law. He shows the danger and the harm that exists when you put such a hard-pressed shelter around rules that you don't take chances to care for other people. That's why he uses the example of the priest. That's why he uses the example of the Levite. He's using these examples of individuals who were so afraid of losing the personal benefits of the eternal that they didn't interact in a moment of need that was there and caring. He goes back to the question, who is my neighbor? And Christ answers, if you're only focused on who your neighbors are, then you're really not sharing the gospel to the entire world. So that's how Christ deals with the expert in law, who is wrestling with this statement. It's never the wrong thing to do the right thing by making his thing the right thing. And Christ is tearing that down. And showing a new way and a new path. Okay, now let's get into the parable. Let's look again at the priest. And the priest who has this dogmatic stance on what doing, doing the right thing is never the wrong thing statement. Now his dogmatic stance exists with principles that exist in the eternal. His dogmatic stance is to be near something that's unclean is unholy and unjust, and he, he can't do that. Well, the, the man coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, it becomes this image of this unclean person. There's blood. He can't, he can't touch the blood. He can't interact with the blood. There's so many things that dogmatically that he has structured as his right thing that is prohibiting him from doing the right thing. He also has to deal with his image as a priest and his image as a holy and just person. His image of a priest and to be seen in this, this violent act, to be seen interacting with this person harmed, becomes this worry of once again losing the eternal. So he deals with losing the eternal and he goes to the other side of the street. He takes everything that he has dogmatically made as his right thing. His right thing. His assurance of his personalized eternity and has made it right and leaves this person to harm. He has made it so that his right thing is the right thing. And when you do the right thing, it's never a wrong thing. But it's harmful in this statement. All right, let's move over. Let's look at the Levite. The Levite had a lot to lose. It's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. But when the Levite comes wrong with his right thing, it becomes a wrong thing. 
because again it's this personalized this is my path of my eternity this is about me this is about me and he has to deal with that and he deals with it by thinking about what he's going to lose he has power he has wealth he has responsibility and in interacting with all those things and thinking about what it would mean to him to be seen with this individual. As he holds out the concept of his right thing is the right thing to do, it becomes a wrong thing because the wrong thing is leaving a person hurting. It's starting to feel like Abbott and Costello. I, I get it. He's dealing with this. It's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. by dealing with his personal benefits from the eternal question and by looking at the eternal and not looking at the wholeness of what it means to bring others into the kingdom it becomes a wrong thing then we get to the samaritan and we shared on sunday the samaritan had nothing to lose Let's look at it all. Every place that exists in ism, racism, sexism, culturalism, genderism, the Samaritan embodies that. He doesn't embody the bad side. He embodies the impressed by the isms. Right now, God bless, the next thing I say is going to offend somebody. PastorDrewDavis at gmail.com. Email me and yell at me. But in our current standings, the Samaritan would be a female lesbian person of color. Those are the people that I see the most oppressed right now. Female lesbian person of color we have the genderism we have the sexism and we have the culturalism all existed in all those things so if christ was sharing this right now that's who the samaritan would be they're already oppressed they're already pushed aside they have nothing to lose and all they can do is live by the statement that it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing because their right thing is about other people because they understand what it means to be oppressed and ignored and pushed aside. The feminine, the LGBTQ, people of color, all embodied in the actions of the Samaritan. But when you're the ones that are pushed aside and ignored, your voice becomes about the community, truly about the community, because it's not just you, it's every person of color. It's not just you, it's all of your brothers and the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered culture uh, questioning community. It's not just you. It's everybody from a different nationality that is pushed aside because the dominant nationality is not willing to hear their aches and pains. The Samaritan exists in that. 
the Samaritan has nothing to lose. So he goes out and he does the caregiving. He's the only person that's focused on the whole statement. And it's the whole statement that the expert in the law made. Let's look at it. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Christ didn't share that. The expert in the law did. But the expert in the law is trying to justify himself, and within his justification, he's trying to only exist within the first half of this phrase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind. Bam, period, the end. That is the part of the statement that exists in the eternal. And when the expert in the law tries to justify himself, he's trying to keep the conversation on that point. That's what's happening. But Christ forces the conversation. Christ pulls it away from the eternal, and he begins to challenge him on truly naming who the neighbor is. Not everyone that loves the same God as you do and has the same soul focus as you do and focuses on strengthening religious pieties as you do, nor has the same mindset as you do. But the neighbor exists outside of that. The neighbor exists as the oppressed and all the isms, and the neighbor steps out and does the right thing. So Christ challenges that, and he challenges the authority of the law to hear his own entire statement. Because he wants to exist in his own heart, and his own soul, and his own mind, and his own strength. But Christ pushes the reality of who is the neighbor. Who is the neighbor? And he answers it. Christ answers it through showing another example in the priest who only exists in love your theology, love your spiritual practices, love your image of wholeness. He pushes it in the example of the Levite. Love your power, love your wealth, love your responsibility. And he pushes it by the individual who was forced to live as the oppressed by going out and truly helping others who are harmed and hurt. Let's hold on to that. Let's pray through it and live with it together. Let's look at how we step out of the things that empower us and have nothing to lose so that we can go out and truly care for others. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. Thank you for joining us today. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God is love. Amen. We'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. 
please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.